I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a podcast on everything from employment to aircraft carriers. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Lumber Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. I'm Yazad, an economist, and I'm Shambhavi, a cell biologist. Hello and welcome to All Things Policy. Today we have General Prakash Menon and Pranay Kotasthane, and I'm Yazad Jal. Our discussion is going to be on the politicization of the armed forces. And I'd like to start with General Menon. So why is politicization of the armed forces a topic of discussion these days? Probably because there are a lot of people expressing their concerns, uh, both especially in the media, about politicization of the armed forces. And uh, for the last couple of years, we seem to find that the armed forces has started playing a larger role in the the political conversation of this Mm. country, which it never happened before. So there is a a trend towards uh, actions taken by the government about the army and by the army uh, itself and also about uh, certain activities of the veterans, which seems to indicate to some people that there is a cause for concern about the Indian Armed Forces shifting its apolitical nature to becoming more and more politically, uh, you can say, uh, politically uh, conscious. So uh, while there is no uh, sort of finality or anything about politicization is taking place or not, it has become part of a larger uh, part of the conversation. So we need to take notice of it. Hmm. Whether it has become politicized or not is a totally different matter. Right. So, uh, General Manon, on this point itself, uh, I know practical things are different, but from a principle, uh, point of view of a principle, uh, would you say that whenever armies are involved in domestic operations, it can lead to politicization or it can at least exacerbate this idea that armies become more involved in the politics? Yes, I would agree with that because we've the army, Indian Armed Forces, has been, actually been for the last ever since independence involved in uh, maintaining internal security in many parts of the country, uh, northeast, the beginning, then Kashmir. Mm. Uh, definitely, you cannot be part of an internal security operation without being actually drawn into. Mm domestic politics and, right. and and that's always this has been a cause of concern among military leaders for a long time but mm. uh, the fact remains that the armed forces continue to be utilized as the last instrument of state to deal with it mm. and so uh, in the ideal world you should not use the armed forces for internal security purposes mm. but since India has not managed to do that the question is how does it really affect or impact the political nature of the armed forces? Mm. I would say 
that so far, despite being involved in internal security, the army has been able, in a sense, mm. to maintain its apolitical nature. But such continued involvement in domestic politics, and we are talking about nearly seven decades plus, mm. is a cause for concern yeah. that we should be worried about because it will definitely have some impact. The question is, how does the institution of the armed forces manage it and keep it mm. in such a manner that it does not affect that political nature? And the military leadership is being increasingly challenged mm. by this issue because there are now not only being involved, it's not only about the armed forces being involved in internal security, it's also about the growing political consciousness within the country itself. Right. right. And uh, that cannot but rub off on the armed forces as an institution, uh, especially when there is such an active social media and so on. So if there is a conversation today about the politicization, we can't, we should not be complacent and brush it off and say that that's mm. not happening, it's only an imagination running wild, I think we must learn to understand this phenomena. Mm. And that, I think, is very important. So that's actually what I was going to ask next. When we say politicization of the armed forces, what exactly do we understand by that concept? What does it mean on the ground? Well, uh, we can actually see two extremes. The ultimate politicization is when the armed forces itself takes over political power. That's the ultimate. So that's one extreme. Uh, the other extreme is where there is your apolitical. Then you are a professional body purely as an instrument of government, of statecraft, which is used. And you use your professional skills to fulfill the task which is given to you without being influenced or being aligned politically to any party domestically. I mean, you do it purely as a professional institution. Mm. So uh, there is this notion of actually how the government can control it objectively, objective control, and this is this thing of subject to control. Subject, uh, subject to control obviously means that the, you get the army to be aligned with your ideology, party in power, and objective control is about the government treats the, the armed forces purely as a professional body, unique because they deal with the science and the application of violence. So, uh, General Menon, I just want to go back to a conversation we were having on this topic a few days back. And there was a very nice insight you'd mentioned about how uh, politicization of the armed forces can come not just from the army, it can also happen because of a political party or from the society as well, right? And I think when you mentioned about social media, etc., that is how the society is sort of now engaging with the armed forces in ways that was not possible earlier right and earlier the armed forces were kept separately the uh, and armed forces 
didn't interact with the civilian for some specific purposes right because you want to maintain a particular ethos Uh, which are different but do you think this the social media is sort of playing a different role and changing the landscape here because now it's no longer possible to isolate what's happening in the army with the society and it's merging very soon yeah there is no doubt that the social media obviously will play a role but i think the larger phenomenon is about the growing political consciousness mm. within the country itself of society itself mm. who are who are actually much more politically conscious now and that's actually abetted and sort of uh, magnified by the social media right. and i do not think it is it is possible any longer mm. to keep the armed forces isolated from this phenomena that mm. they would actually uh, at an individual uh, level at least people would become much more politically conscious mm. but this is at the individual level i think the question we need to ask ourselves is how does this increase in individual political consciousness is affect the institutional political mm. consciousness yep. i think that is where where what is the question we have just been examining things which have happened whether it's about veterans or senior veterans joining a political party while an election is on we are we are just looking at these episodes but with these symptoms which we haven't seen before mm. there is a change which is taking place ourselves and i think the major change which has taken place in the recent past is about the politicization of the veterans themselves okay mm-hmm. and i think it started off with the ROP mm. um, uh, which if you remember in the last election the congress's announcement of ROP was aimed for electoral uh purposes bjp's we, uh, they know the, it is the congress okay. government mm. who approved the ROP just before the mm. elections and then claimed that they had given them it was while uh, the bjp said that they had not given enough money for it and it okay. was just a notional mm. thing if if you remember that and of course there was that famous rally in haryana where it was an ex servicemen's rally which mm. was addressed by Uh, the bjp leader at that time the now present prime minister so we had not witnesses political parties reaching out to veterans mm. and we had also not seen veterans who went and you know they have had i think it's still ongoing who went to jantar mantra and started protesting mm. and i think that was the turning point when today uh, which indicated that there is something here which is happening which indicates that in the veteran community itself there is this notion that we unless we fight for our rights mm. we will not get what we want mm. um in the previous this thing it would be that the that the chiefs of the armed forces would fight for the rights of not only of the institution itself mm. but even for the veterans, veterans. but now we see that the veterans have actually lost faith in the chiefs mm. have organized themselves separately are actually overtly political mm. uh, they, they sometimes say that we should all support a particular party and so on 
So these are things which India has not witnessed before. And why I'm concerned about what the veterans are doing, because we cannot actually say that, oh, these veterans are a different, they belong to a completely different segment. But in my view, veterans are intimately connected to serving people because of the fact mm. that they see their the serving people see their seniors out there and uh, there's a connection which you cannot sort of uh, uh, they, they are sort of li uh, li organic linkage mm. because they have, ex they have actually served together and so on so the serving officers could take a cue from what is happening by what the veterans are doing and also get certain ideas about the politicization of the head so we must not be saying you know, veterans are therefore doing it it doesn't affect I think th these sort of things don't happen as something which will appear in a day they seep through a system slowly and what we are seeing now is there's the conversation has increased because the concerns have also increased and from the outside there is no doubt that the government has also realized that there is domestic political value mm. in what the military does, that they can actually claim it as an advantage for the party, right. not for the nation alone. Mm. And I think this notion, which suddenly the political leaders have grasped, mm. is one which is dangerous in the long term because it will eventually potentially affect the political nature of the institution itself because mm. now political leaders are using the institution for electoral purposes yeah. and I think that's something which um, the majority of our political leaders post this election they need to reflect because yeah. you are here sowing the seeds of what do you call shift mm to drawing you're actually pulling the institution towards you when you should actually keep it where it has always been yeah. at arm's length from politics yeah when you were talking about veterans earlier uh, I recently General Malik who's a former chief of army staff tweeted about a cooling off period of two years so should there be some kind of legal time bar on senior officers joining political parties post-retirement? See, actually, the, whatever we do, we should not curtail democratic rights. I mean, I think as a principle, we should not curtail democratic rights of veterans who retire to say that they cannot join political parties. They are very much should be allowed to do so if they want to. But the question here is about what sort of values have been have you imbibed when you were part of that institution and if that value in, a, in this particular case was the maintenance of an apolitical uh, uh, what do you call posture or belief then it would be better that the institution itself imbibes you with the value but it cannot be legally imposed because I don't think it would actually stand even legal scrutiny to say that people cannot join politics mm. for two yeah. to three years that's one issue 
The second issue is, I have, I mean, I have met some of my friends who have not joined political party, but they have gone and been part of the campaign. Mm. But when you ask them, they are saying they have not joined the party. Mm. So, you know, you can actually, it doesn't make any difference. Anybody yeah. who will, who wants to join, should be allowed to join. But the norm, the institutional norm, which should actually be imbibed by individuals is that you do not do so at least mm. after it comes. That's the only thing that you can do. In fact, uh, the recent case of uh, vice chief of the army staff, um, joining a political party just, I think, maybe less than a year after uh, retirement is indicative of the fact that the norm, which is the apolitical norm, has not probably, has as now drifted. Mm. And, and we see that people are immediately, I mean, a whole lot of them actually joined recently a political party, not only a vice chief, which was, all of them had, had, had just retired quite recently, except maybe one or two in that group. What does it show that they were, during their service itself, inclined? But the question then becomes is, these are individual preferences, whereas we are talking about institutional preference. But if the senior leaders are actually joining it, it also may be in some way, and this can actually be, although be disputed, the reflects as where the institutional preferences shifted. Right. Hmm. But this is unscientific. I mean, we have the, the, it's only a statement which I can make uh, because we have not don't have enough database to actually yeah. do this. But as a phenomena, yeah. uh, I think we need to at least introspect. And this introspection should be done by the present military leadership who yeah. are actually running the show, who know exactly what is happening and should be cautioning the, the leaders that it's okay to join a political party after you do, after you, you, you retire, but institutional preference should be is just give it some time. But it cannot be imposed. Yeah. No, the fascinating thing in all this is it's how norms are, are norms or taboos are actually making people comply to certain things right like you can't have laws for each of these things they can be uh, other effects unintended consequences of all that and now what you're saying is this norm which was sort of uh, holding some things in balance itself might be heading towards a change yes and it uh, heads more towards change when someone of a senior leadership actually uh, goes into this there's more influence than let's say a person who's not a senior uh, person joins a political party so that's just something very interesting but i want to ask a provocative question gentlemen so china okay for example pla is actually a part of the it's effectively an agent of the communist party right so why is it a problem why is it uh, and they are managing this particular setup so is it a problem that uh, let's say a p politicization in one way or the other will uh, actually i understand that it will be a problem but can you think of at least one positive thing that might happen if armed forces are politicized uh, see the question is that china by its very constitution has the armed forces report to the political party hmm. 
that is not how we have figured our structure we have about it's about armed forces being just an instrument uh, of governance and uh, there's an executive which is actually oversees it the question is does the political preferences of the government in power hmm. therefore have to be matched hmm. by by the armed forces have they have to be in yeah, similar political yeah that's a better way to I, put I, it. i think yeah. i think that is the question which yes. you are asking i think for india this is a very interesting question to answer because actually at this stage in india's uh, uh, political uh, trajectory theoretically let me put it this way if the larger political shift taking place in india uh, is about the shift to the notion of hindu majoritarianism mm. as as becoming part of an uh, should be the prevailing ideology which india deserves and this is the contestation mm. today in in, our, in the political landscape if mm. this was the case what if that the military as an institution therefore starts let's say supporting this notion hmm. and i think to answer to the question if that ever happens then it would be it would really mean that the arm the military would be completely politicized hmm. because if as an institution they believe in this and if the government believes in this and tomorrow let's say that there are communal riots in this country it's well possible that the armed forces way of tackling that riots might be influenced by the notion hmm. that after all we are a hindu majoritarian and therefore not everybody has equal rights so this is dangerous let me tell you that politicization will only be reflected when a situation comes about in which the behavior of the institution hmm. itself will bring out that there is a bias right. there hmm. india for all its threats all its stress externally is something which we can handle the greatest threat to india is india itself because of the diversity that we have and one could say that if you look at the gravest threat which this country can have it comes eventually it will come uh, it could come from our communal fault line and therefore to have an army which would be inclined in this way i mean this mm. is of course we are just uh, uh, have running um, giving a imagination mm. feel rain but i'm just give you as an example mm. I mean, uh, if tomorrow let's say pakistan improves and let's say we have a couple of million pakistanis who come in to india and it creates a lot of communal tension Uh, and if that tension is going to be dealt with by an army who is 
got a particular posture about an issue, I think it would be dangerous. Mm. Uh, don't forget that we had some Sikh units who actually mutinied during Blue Star. Mm. It was, it was of course isolated, mm. and uh, but the fact that it happened, mm. and so it is better that we learn from our experiences and keep those lessons, take those lessons seriously. On that serious note, thank you so much, General Menon. Thank you, Pranay. Yeah, I just want to add one more thing towards okay. the end that uh, this is something that we are working on and this is the first podcast. We are working on a framework, so we'll talk about that in subsequent episodes on how we are thinking about this idea and what can be done to uh, address this idea. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, the fact is that we are talking loosely about what? I mean, without really having a, a scientific understanding mm. about politicization, of the Indian Armed Forces actually uh, mean? Yes, absolutely. How do we yeah. actually measure right. uh, this sort of phenomena? What are the factors which we need to identify? I think the, uh, looking into this subject should really uh, give us much more. I mean, we are now practically just looking at, at episodic phenomena. But, mm. but there is something happening, and I think we need to do something about it. Takshila would probably should be able to diagnose this problem at least to some extent. Yes, so we look out for more podcasts and more research from Dr. Sheila on this topic. Thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you. We'd love to hear what you think about this chat. Check us out on our Twitter handle at Takshashila Inst or on our Quora space, All Things Policy. For the latest analysis and research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, Visit our website at takshashila.org.in and tune in for our next episode.